We are in part three of our Acts of the Holy Spirit series. And today we are at at Acts chapter 16, which records Paul's second missionary journey. And it's in this second missionary journey that the gospel crosses over continents, crossing over from the Middle East to Europe. Here is a map for you to visualize Paul's second missionary journey. After the council in Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas, along with Judas and Silas, Uh, They were leaders among the council. They traveled back to the church in Antioch. They carried a letter to instruct the disciples of the decisions and instructions that came out of the discussion at the council in Jerusalem. And after some time in Antioch, the church sent Judas and Silas back to Jerusalem. Paul then decides he needs to return to encourage the churches he planted on his first missionary journey. And Paul asked Barnabas to accompany him. Barnabas makes a suggestion for John Mark to come along as well, but Paul didn't think it was a good idea for John Mark to join them. So unfortunately, Paul and Barnabas weren't able to agree on this. And so Paul and Barnabas go on their separate ways. Paul travels to Tarsus, and there he meets Timothy, who would become his apprentice. Then he makes his way back to Antioch, Poseidon, teaching and building up the Christians there. Then the Holy Spirit directs him through a vision to preach the gospel in Macedonia, which is northern Greece today. Following the Holy Spirit's guidance, Paul arrives at Philippi, which was a leading city of Macedonia. And that's indicated by the red dot on the map. So today's devotion, we're going to focus on how the church in Philippi got started. And it started with the conversion of three people, a wealthy woman, a slave girl, and at a government employee. The name of the wealthy woman was Lydia. Lydia was a dealer of purple cloth, which was extremely expensive. So you can say she was a dealer of uh, luxury fashion and clothes. But the most interesting detail about Lydia that Luke gives us is that she is described as a worshiper of God. And this was actually a specific term, which meant a Gentile who was reading the Hebrew Bible, trying to seek God. You see, Lydia was a successful businesswoman, but she was empty. She was seeking God, and she sought the scriptures to try to find God. So how did the gospel come to Lydia? Well, it came to her through a rational understanding of the gospel. We're told that she went to hear Paul preached and God opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Greek word that is translated as respond uh, simply means to get it. So God helped her to get it. What did she get? She understood that everything in the Bible actually points to Jesus and that salvation is uh, by grace through faith in Jesus. She knew her Bible but she just needed help connecting the dots. She needed an understanding of the gospel to see that saving grace from Jesus is in all of the scriptures. The slave girl, we're told, is possessed by an evil spirit. The slave is the complete opposite to Lydia. Lydia was financially wealthy. The slave girl was not only poor, she was a slave. Lydia was a spiritual seeker. Whereas the slave girl wasn't just irreligious, she was possessed by an evil spirit. She was the complete opposite to Lydia. But the interesting detail about the slave girl is that although she's possessed by an evil spirit, it's actually not the spirit that enslaves her and oppresses her. It's the human masters that are enslaving and oppressing her. It's the human masters that are exploiting her spiritual torment 
to profit from her fortune telling. You see, although she is tormented by the evil spirit, she's actually enslaved by human masters. And we see that Paul casts out the spirit, and it's not the spirit that retaliates, it's the human masters that causes a riot. It's the human masters that retaliate against Paul. So how does the gospel come to the slave girl? It's through an encounter of the power of the gospel. It's the power and authority of Jesus that not only casts out the evil spirit, but it's Jesus' power and authority that liberates her, frees her from these enslaving masters that seek to exploit her. For the slave girl, Paul doesn't give a Bible study. Instead, Paul confronts the bad masters that are enslaving her with Jesus' power and authority as the good and great master. Although this story about being possessed by an evil spirit is an extreme case, it does actually speak about something true of all of us before we meet Jesus. Anyone who actually meets Jesus recognizes that they were spiritually enslaved before. Before meeting Jesus, we are all enslaved to some earthly thing or earthly master, whether it's money, power, approval, or even a relationship to pursue and attach ourselves to those things, thinking it will give us satisfaction, give us reward, give us recognition. But rather than giving, it actually takes. It takes your time. It takes your energy. It takes your health. In fact, it can take your soul. It exploits you. And that enslavement is a spiritual oppression. And so you need not work-life balance, you need not more mindfulness, you need not more coaching, you actually need the power and authority of Jesus to free you from the spiritual bondage to those earthly things. God saved the slave girl through an encounter of the power of the gospel. The third person is the jailer. He's kind of like the middle-class government employee who guards the jail. He would have been an ex-military man, an ex-Roman soldier. So he would have been a hard-nosed, practical type of man. You can kind of sort of get a hint that he doesn't want any type of intellectual discussion about faith. Uh, you kind of get a hint that he's kind of not interested in spirituality or knowing more about the spiritual realm. He's a very concrete, practical guy that is spiritually indifferent. So how does the gospel save this jailer? How does the gospel come to somebody who just doesn't give a rip? Well, you have to show the gospel to someone who doesn't give a rip. The gospel comes to the jailer through an example of the gospel. See, when this jailer received Paul and Bar Silas, they were beaten up. They were dripping with blood. He's, and then he sees something that he's never seen before in his life. The first thing he sees is Paul and Silas's attitude towards suffering. The first thing he sees is verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were praising God in the midst of suffering. The jailer has never seen such kind of joy. The second thing he sees is an earthquake. During the earthquake, the jail door opens. And in that time, the law was that if you're a guard and the prisoner escapes, then the guard would be executed. Paul and Silas knew that when the doors were open, they could escape. But they also knew that if they escaped with, along with the other prisoners, then the jailer would lose his life. He would be executed. 
And so Paul and Silas held back the prisoners. And so what did the jailer see? He saw Paul and Silas repay evil with good. The jailer has never seen anything like that before. Paul and Silas behaved that way because Jesus was the ultimate example of repaying evil with good by dying on the cross. At the cross, Jesus Christ prayed for forgiveness of the people who were killing him. And when the jailer saw that kind of example of the gospel, this practical man gets on his knees and he says, you've got something that I want. So what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas replies, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. God saved the jailer through an example of the gospel. And so I've got two reflections on Acts chapter 16. The first is that the gospel is for everyone. By the gospel, God saves a wealthy woman, a slave girl, and a middle-class government employee. By the gospel, God saves a spiritual seeker, a spiritually oppressed, and the person that is spiritually indifferent. Anyone and any, everyone can receive salvation in Christ. The second reflection is that the gospel has the power to save in many different ways. God can save someone through gospel understanding or through the power of the gospel or through the example of the gospel. Many of us have probably come to faith in Christ through a combination of all three. Many of us have perhaps had Christian friends who lived very appealing lives as examples of Christ, who led us to hear about Jesus, to have an understanding of the Bible and of who Jesus is. And through that, many of us have probably had a personal encounter of Jesus calling out our sins and idols that we've been worshipping and enslaving to then turn to Jesus and receive his love and forgiveness. An understanding of the gospel, the power of the gospel, and examples of the gospel are the many ways that God can save us. But it's also through those ways that God can help us grow and change us in faith. So after the live stream in community groups, we're going to have a time for us to share our answers to the following reflection questions. Over the last six months during COVID, what are the evidences of God's grace and work that you are thankful for? Number two, what changes to your routines and habits that you would like to keep practicing? Question three, has God revealed to you areas for further emotional and spiritual growth? And question four, what are the specific steps you can take with members of your community group to pursue growth and change in those areas? With the last question, what specific steps that you can take with members of your community group to pursue growth and change that you've identified during this time of COVID as some weaknesses and struggles that you've been experiencing. Have a think about whether those specific steps to growth and change requires more understanding of the gospel. Perhaps can members of your community group help you grow in the knowledge of the Bible to have biblical answers to the questions that you've been struggling with that have been troubling you? Or maybe having more Bible knowledge to know how to live out the Christian faith. 
Or to answer that question, do you need to experience more of the power of the gospel? Can members of your community group help you realize the idolatry, the false worship that is causing you to voluntarily enslave you to bad masters? Can members of your community group remind and encourage you about the power and grace of Jesus to free you from enslaving, addictive, obsessive, and controlling behaviors? Or do you need us to see more examples of the gospel? Can members of your community group show you in very practical ways on how to live wise and godly lives? How can members of your community group role model boldness, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, self-control? What practical advice do you need to help you grow and change to be more like Christ? An understanding of the gospel experiencing the power of the gospel, seeing examples of the gospel. They are the divine and powerful ways that God saves us, but it's the same ways that are divine and powerful to change and grow us to be more like Jesus. I'm going to pray uh, for our time in our community groups as we share our personal reflections that God would indeed use those things to change and grow us to be more like Jesus. Our Father in heaven, Father, after this service, we pray that our community groups will have a really encouraging time as they share about the evidences of your grace during this time of COVID. And I pray that we would be vulnerable to each other to open up and share about the areas that you have been revealing in our hearts and in our behaviors, areas of weakness and struggle. Father, we pray that you would enable us to share an understanding of the gospel, that we would point to each other the power of the gospel, and by our lives, may we be examples of the gospel to help each other grow and mature to overcome our weaknesses, to overcome our struggles, so that we would be more and more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.